So I want to think about um, public space yes. on the internet yeah, and the way it's constructed and how it maps onto the public-private distinction that's been flowing around European societies at least for 200 years. Okay, what do you mean by the public-private distinction? What specifically are you thinking about? So the public sphere is a thing that's kind of constructed, basically. It's mm-hmm. a newspapers, it's cafes, it's places in which discourse happens, mm-hmm. um, not in the sense that you mean it, but like in the sense of a yeah. like a, a broader kind of organization of society. A general conversation, a yeah. general... Yeah, precisely. Public conversation about where things are going. Yes, and the private sphere is the opposite of this. The private sphere is constructed as a kind of zone in which like mm. what you say is... Um, Friends, family. Friends, family, and so on. And like not for public consumption. Mm-hmm. And therefore also increasingly, or, or often not legally actionable in the same kind of way. Like You can't mm-hmm. be, for example, you know, prosecuted for saying something mean about someone in your private life. But if you say yeah, something yeah. publicly about them, you offended their, offended their reputation and so on, you can't be prosecuted. There so there's are kind of performative like, utterances. In yeah, private. there's like a distinction. There's like a legal distinction between the two um, that's organized around like slander laws and so on. Okay, good. Got definitions, right? So I'm interested in the way in which public and privateness are reconstructed on the internet. Obviously, this kind of the illusion of podcasting and the effective relationship that we're supposed to be kind of inducing our audience to enter into. Yes. Nice to see you again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. um, Is that this is in some ways private space. But it's private space that is entirely constructed around things that are a matter of public concern. That is, it's it's like the maximally, um, it's got a half newspaper column half like hanging out with your friends right yeah, yeah that's the kind of the illusion of it but also i think in because there are there are kind of more distinctions between like publicness privateness and so on mm. that exist and often they exist like in literally adjacent spaces yeah. know, this group chat has a sense of publicity to it this telegram channel for example has a has you know, public aspect to it whereas this uh this other one next to it literally like you know less than a, a centimeter away from it on the screen has the air of a Complete privacy. Um, the same is true of like Discord, right? Discord is a kind of a weird space in which half of things are public, half things are private, and there's a kind of ambivalence between the two. And I guess, I guess like one of the things about public space is that it has to be subject to some extent to collective action. Mm-hmm. That is, that is organized essentially um, through, uh, yeah, collective means. So the, the, one of the aspects of public space that is most important to preserve, I think, for the construction of a kind of a, a healthy city or kind of a healthy uh, society more broadly, is that people can get together in public space and decide to transform it Yes. Um, in various ways. The most kind of obvious way in which this has happened in the past is through protests. Mm-hmm. Right? People get together in their tens of thousands and they demand something mm-hmm. um, of the government or they take it back immediately through direct action yeah. or something like this. These things are much less possible on the internet, but there are forms of novel coordinated action. Yeah. And I want to kind of go through a few of them and think about them. One of them is a thing called R Space. So this is a subreddit, of course, just like subreddit.com slash R slash space. And the idea of this was that it was an image, basically. And the rules of the image, it was a blank white image Mm -hmm. um, that was entirely uh, uh, several thousand pixels by several thousand pixels. And on day one, all the pixels were white. Precisely. And then anyone could change, I think with a Reddit account, but anyone could change any of the Mm -hmm. pixels at all to any any other different color that was possible. Mm -hmm every five minutes. So you got one pixel per five minutes. And there are 8 million pixels. So every five minutes, one person would be allowed to change the pixel. No, so every five minutes, everybody is allowed to change one pixel. Okay. So you, everybody individually has a, has a, is basically rate limited. You can okay. make one change. So there's new images, there's a new image every five minutes. No. There's one image, yeah. and it is updated. Oh yeah, that's what I mean, a new version of the, of the, same, of the same image. 
No, but it's if it's like if I say something now mm. and then I wait five minutes and you say something like ten seconds later, mm. then I have to wait four minutes and fifty seconds to change it back. So there's no there's no like kind of five minute tick. Oh, okay. Just okay. Each person individually can only make one action. At the so every time speed one person minutes. makes a change, I didn't think that the difficulty lo- of explaining this would be that. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners as well who might you know have the same mental capacity as me in this precise moment um so every five minutes so every time someone changes something uh no one can change anything for five minutes no fucking hell what i don't get <laughs> <laughs> there are eight million pixels yes. on the screen yeah every individual person mm-hmm. can change one pixel mm. every five minutes mm-hmm yeah. So, the, so you're so you're locked out of making a change um once you've made a change for five minutes. Precisely. Okay, cool. Is that uh, is that good? That's fine. You confuse me by saying if I change <laughs> it then five minutes later. Yes, okay, sorry. Yes. So you, you that that only makes sense if we were one had one Reddit account. Sorry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Which we do, of course. We have the <laughs> Popbrain account, which is uh on Reddit. You can't dox the Reddit account. Do it does Reddit does Popbrain have a Reddit account? Yeah, of course. I have my own Reddit account which I will never disclose. I know what it is, listener. And if you pay me five pounds, <laughs> I will tell you what it is. He doesn't. I do. Um, What's Leave it out. What is it? What's my username? It's 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 an eight million pixel grid, yeah. which all starts as white. You can make every given person can make one change every five minutes maximum. Mm-hmm. Change one pic- the color of one pixel. Yeah, which of course means that because there are eight million pixels you need to coordinate and cooperate with other people in order to make anything substantive other than just like random noise on the image, mm-hmm. right? So what happens is that people go away into these little kind of private Discord servers and they they, they agree en masse that they are going to put this image in the grid. They're going to be like, okay, from here to here, mm-hmm. each other person individually is going to be assigned a particular color and they're going mm-hmm. to paint their pixel all at once, that color, and then we're going to screenshot it and we're going to say, okay, we managed to you know, produce this image. Mm-hmm. And of course, what this requires is that not only you are coordinating with your group of people who are making the image, mm-hmm. but you're actually coordinating with everyone else on the internet mm-hmm. or with, and basically like making sure there are enough little pixels mm-hmm. such that everyone can make uh, put their image where they want to. So it requires kind of certain ideas capturing, in, capturing a, a large uh, following. Yes, precisely. So the way in which it normally worked was that existing communities, Mm -hmm. people who already had a Discord fandom or something, Mm -hmm. would choose a picture of something from their the show Mm -hmm. there's a fandom of, and they would simply try and draw that photo, collect that that image, Mm -hmm. collect collect something fell on me. Yes, it's it's autumn now. (laughs) A leaf just fell on me. Climate change for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a really weird looking leaf. Okay. Yeah, chubby one. Um, So can, can I look at this image now? Is uh, that, so yeah is there a sort of time lapse of it there is exactly a time lapse of it which we will link in the show notes but I haven't actually seen so I'm going to come over there and watch it with you okay cool maybe sit to the left of me do a side kind of driving seat um, oh this is nice instead of sitting across from each other listeners we're now right next to each other next to each other which means that I can see Ralph's YouTube recommendations oh, and boy oh boy no, they probably are quite bad. No, they they are I very because I have quite diverse. Um, no, I have quite diverse interests. Uh, yeah, for example, <laughs> Norm Macdonald and Anthony Fantana. Yeah, and Limmy Twitch Clips Plus. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Jeff Marshall, of course. Um, Denny, that is the train guy. Um, R slash space time lapse. Time lapse. Yep. Yeah. 
And George Galloway, fucking hell. Okay, uh, so... Okay, wow. Service two hours, complete story. So let's have a look. Let's watch it full screen, I reckon. So, I, oh, shit, this... There's, like, fucking flags and yeah, logos. So and w- what are we seeing here? We're seeing the Turkish flag, the German flag. Trans flag. The trans flag. Star the Wars poster. Sweden. Is that Ukraine with fuck Putin written on it? Ukraine flag. German flag. That's yep. a bit concerning. German flag. Um, <laughs> never, you don't want them expanding their, their area to you. Yeah, and then we've got the Marvel icon. We've got a bunch of different kind of fandoms, basically. You've got GameStop, like a, I guess that's a reference to Robin Hood. Um, yeah, the um, uh, if people don't remember that, it was the essentially kind of uh, a meme stonk, basically. So this uh, is actually a lot tidier um, than I thought it would be. Yeah, so this is what's interesting about it, right? Is that it's actually extremely well coordinated. Mm. The people are see watch what's happening down here with Osu. So there's a little circle that says Osu in it with an exclamation mark, a pink circle, and something some sort of contestation has happened. So if you go back, you can kind of watch in real time, or not in real time, much hugely accelerated time uh, on the time lapse around what is it like around a minute, around the minute mark, basically kind of a struggle over this like area of the the map. Can Someone you point at the area. So down here, down here. where it was. Um, the US flag has been erased and replaced with a Pepe. All right. The uh, Osu has been uh, added in like a kind of a creepy gremlin gremlin face on top of it. The American flag's just returned, by the way. Precisely, yeah. There was a kind of a reassertion. The Ukrainian flag has come now to completely dominate the entirety of the upper portion of the screen. Mm -hmm. With Um, fuck Putin written on it. With fuck Putin written on it. Kind of very like like text, like it shouldn't need to be that pixelated, the text. It's like, because clearly quite um, like it's rectangular text. Yeah. Uh, and then there are kind of dashes and lines all over the place. It's a very intricate and There's this sort of image. black, there's this black yes. sprawl of like sort of dust spreading. This is a very extraordinary phenomenon. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, um, I'm very... There's a Where's Wally, uh, which is urinating. So the, the, the trans flag and the American flag both have these kind of dots of black that it's, and now there's a huge swarm on the American flag. The trans the trans flag has erased the top half of the American flag and the bottom half is being erased by a rainbow. There's an amusingly crap version of the British flag, which is kind of yeah. being badly drawn. But it hasn't been erased for quite a while. No. So the... Um, the Italian flag emerging, Portuguese flag. So it's, it's very flag-centric. There's but there some are coffee all, being poured on We should this. point out there are also... Loads of other images. Let's like the the, the, um, the Linux uh, logo. There's like loads of animals. There's loads of kind of cartoon characters. There's the Star Wars logo. There's the um, radioactive si- sign. Yeah, I've never seen so many flags except when there's football on. Yeah. So uh, the question is like, this is some ways a kind of documentation of people who, the collective interests of people who have access to the internet. Right. This yes. is this is like who they are. And what we've discovered is that there's like a large number of trans people or people who want to be kind of uh, allies to trans people. There's um, a large number of Turkish people. There's lots of Indians, lots of Americans, lots of you know British people, some Italians, you know, and so on. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of interested in uh, trying to, yeah, produce or assert their image on this extremely Play- transitive space. Playboy Carti, Nine Inch Nails, lots yeah. of like, it's a bit like one of those bad, like people in Camden who they get the badges and they sew them onto things. Or like an alarm of tattoos or something. I was going to say, it's like, it's like yeah, it's like a Camden badge collection meets an, et- meets an Etch-A-Sketch. Oh, wow, it suddenly got bigger. What, what's that yeah, about? so they, they doubled the size of it halfway through and they expanded out to, to, to the, the right here. the image just suddenly... I don't get it. The image, is, it wasn't... It immediately started. So my, I think what happened is that there were several previous years. So 
this is our place for 2020 time lapse. Mm -hmm. Sorry, 2022 time lapse. But it happened every single year for the last five years. So okay. I think this is one of the previous years. As you can see, this this year is much more dense, mm -hmm. much more coordinated than the previous year was. So the, this is uh, a 322 okay. in the YouTube video. So. 20, 20, so, but this says 72 hours and 10 minutes. Did all this happen in 72 hours? Yeah, which is three days. Okay. So not, it doesn't mean full, it doesn't mean the whole of 2020 so far. No. <laughs> that was a bit confusing. Um, interesting, yes. So I now understand why the five minute rule is so important because it means that one person can't draw something by themselves. Yeah, I think we've got a picture of uh, Milosevic at the top. Is this Milosevic? Uh, I don't know what Milosevic looks like, so... Could be someone else. Uh, There's R the GameStop meme. Cars. Arte, the, the French TV station. That's interesting. Um, Among Us. Sort of Hitler appearing? No, maybe not. Um, meth. Quite a lot of quite dark stuff emerging. Yes. Well, you got, you got to remember this is a this is a collective project of like internet communities, mm -hmm. which are organised around partially. Um, a lot of corporate logos. Yes. Who's organizing that? Are people being paid to create plausibly? Yeah, there's a kind of struggle around 410 in the video between the Among Us uh, character, a pink one, and a kind of face that's emerging beneath it. Mm. People are trying to turn each other's symbols. And then there are these, these swarm, these kind of black patches. And there are swarms of purple, swarms kind of, of spreading, purple spreading throughout the. And being changed back immediately. So, re so groups reasserting themselves. I d is this good radio? I'm slightly like, but it isn't at all. No, we've already cut most of this. But like the, but it is very interesting to think about mm. like what this kind of collective action is like, how it's organised. We should get to the end of the video for sure. Okay. Um, there's the guy. There's a very very crude drawing of the sort of, you know, that meme of the guy that's really sort of hench. So in the bottom right hand corner, mm -hmm. there's the blue corner, which is uh, nothing. Which is just a kind of a, it's almost like a shelling point. So a shelling mm. point is a, um, a way of coordinating collective action around mm. something that is uh, useful enough or obvious enough to everyone involved in the game, such that it can just be kind of the default. So, for example, if uh, a great example is you know if you were to meet someone at a particular time in London, mm -hmm. you knew the time, you didn't know, didn't know the place, mm -hmm. and you both knew that you didn't know the place, where would you meet them? Trafalgar Square. Precisely. Right. Everyone would say that. Yeah. And the fact that you know that they know that you know that they know that you know that they know and so on, mm. that you would meet in Trafalgar Square, that's yeah. the shelling point. The shelling point is the, is the mutual knowledge that you have both the knowledge that you have the knowledge and so on. And what is that in, in New York? Is that Times Time Square? Square Thursday. So, so uh, this particular piece of action in the bottom right-hand corner, which is this expanding blue square, which mm -hmm. in some ways signifies nothing in particular. Obviously, we've had all these various kinds of impositions of, of flags, of corporate logos, of cartoon characters, all these different things. The blue corner is in some ways like just the shelling point of this. Mm -hmm. We're just going to make a single color. And then at some time in the last, I think, hour, they basically changed it so that you, everyone could make changes, but the mm -hmm. only changes they could make was to make a pixel white. And so essentially the image is immediately erased. Sometime in the last few minutes. Okay. And when who creates these rules? These are created by Reddit. Okay, so Reddit started this project. So they created a whole new page which says Yes, it's, it's always expanding as well. So every I think every day basically, uh there's a, a new edition. So the we a quarter of the images is on is usable on the first day, mm -hmm. then the quarter of the image is used uh usable on the second day, and the third day the the remaining half. Five. Basically gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 
So this will become a quarter of the next image. But does that mean there are more, the pixel density kind of quadruples as well? Yes, there are four times as many pixels at the end as there were at the beginning. Yeah, but does it then reset to to a lower amount of pixels? Next year it might do. No, no, no. So the the, 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 the top left-hand corner remains as dense. It's just like mm-hmm. on the computer screen, you can't see that because it's not, because you know, it's, it's, it's smaller. Mm. So we've got Star Wars and so on. But how does it not balloon into being crazy dense, pixel-wise? Just the page expands. So th- it's a single page on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was a quarter of the size, and they've made it double the size, and then they make it twice the size again. And partly they do that because it's simply because there's too much space. They run out of real estate. Yeah, and, Screen and, people, estate. and certain people were controlling certain areas and so they needed to, just needed to create new space. Yeah, so, that, that, so in order to reduce the overall amount of tension mm-hmm. between different people competing for the same resource, but then right. space, they need to produce a significantly larger thing than they thought they would. Because of elite overproduction? Not quite. Um, French uh, flag is... Here's the French flag, enormous. And there's a blue corner that's now at the at the bottom yes. right hand of yes. the new page. So the blue corner is a, is a, is a, is a relative thing. Yes, so the blue, the blue corner is kind of the... Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, the, the most basic kind of gesture that could be coordinated usefully. Mm-hmm. Is that Putin? No, not us. But who's the fi- who's the face? It's not clear. It's just not entirely clear to me how people coordinate about this stuff. They, they just do it on Discord. Do they say like? Yeah, but how do they make? How, how do they, they know say your pixel is this? Yeah, but how? How there must be some sort of API for this. People must have. Spent an enormous amount of time working on exactly. I think there must just it. be a lot of people. Yeah, like 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 like. There's a sort of fifty percent chance that someone's already done the pixel that you've yeah decided to do, and the people just descend on the area. Of th- I mean, it's obviously easier with block flags like that, but I presume someone shares a a plan for what should be done with a certain area of the area of the space, and then everyone whoever the first 200 people are to see that go on there and change the color. It's notable that no one has changed the French flag and no one has erased the American flag. And there's huge strips of German flag, which no one has... Uh, has bodied, yeah, but bodied a previous to. American flag was erased. Yes, and replaced by the Pepe. Yeah. And then sort of encroached upon by the trans flag. I mean, there is an enemy... There's an ele- Well, it went black there. Um, there's an element of... Um, I support the current thing, you know. Um, and it is, is it just done by posting a comment on... No, so no. The, the space is actually live and you just click on the, you oh, click okay. on the pixel you want to change and then... Oh, okay, okay. Well, then that, that it doesn't seem too unimaginable that, yeah, you could just be... Okay, and now everyone everyone can only... Oh, they do a heart, that's cute. So at this point, everyone can only do a white and so it Precisely, yeah. goes white because... Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, well, let's go on it now. So, um, yeah, I read it. I think our space. So it's just also completed on Ralph's computer. Uh, read it. Replace um, no. I think space. Oh, it said place on. Oh, did it on the YouTube. Our place. Yeah. Oh. This is a, a Reddit about space travel, which you know, interesting, but not what we're looking for. Fuck me. Okay. This is where we're at. Um, big Argentina flag. Um, 
This is the bottom big pineapple half. This is the point of the thing. Im this is the point of the, our place immediately before it was. That's the very end. So that that's going to be all white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is immediately before it's been erased. Sixty-one hours, and yeah. Okay, so this is what we were watching. Yeah, this is this is exactly the same thing. Um. So does it? Will it come back? Yeah, next year. So it comes back once a year. Oh, and it only lasts seventy-two hours. Yep. Okay. Actually, this is why we're talking about it because it's it's just happened. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I see. I thought it was this constant thing. No. no. Okay. Several crucial factors about this project that I've misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> I am very pleased to have been introduced to this bizarre internet phenomenon, and I would like you to extemporize upon. Yeah, so the in relation to your thoughts about the private public. Yeah, so on the internet as opposed to offline. So I guess like the there is a kind of question about how well how how web 2 and web 3 and these kind of unclear spaces they don't have have a kind of a, a position within that dichotomy relate to each other. Um Web two is famously sort of detached from the the the, the rest of the world, right? It doesn't it, it encodes collections of social relationships that are on that are detached from ownership. Web three encodes things that are dominated by ownership. That is things on the blockchain. Um, the blockchain is useful to the extent that it can secure property rights. That is, it you know having the private key, which is the kind of password essentially to a certain asset. Um, means that you have total control over that asset. No one in the world, not even the owners of that certain blockchain, can take it away from you without your permission or without taking your private key. Um, and so there's a kind of a, an encoding of uh, private property rights. But what the internet is kind of lacking is something like public space in its its properly realized form, namely you know, um, the public square uh, and so on. There are kind of institutions that form things like this, namely Twitter, for example. Well, we've discussed on this podcast before how Twitter began as a, a egalitarian, when it was a much smaller platform, began as a kind of egalitarian space where um, celebrities and uh, regular folk could interact and share ideas in a kind of low stakes fashion with a kind of bias towards cheerful and uh, amusing or you know uh, kind of quaint like odd unusual content yes precisely yeah, there's, there's um, and then it, it became uh, through through the volume as a result of the volume and the shifting tone of refinement culture of content um, it became very hierarchized the blue tick changed yeah. the way that people communicate with each other yeah, so the, the 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 other ways in which um people have been able to assert themselves or organize themselves online are mostly um through things like fandom armies. Uh the BTS army group yeah. um has been extraordinarily successful in uh various forms of brigading, organizing around mm. um swarms and so on. Um terrifying Mike Dean, for instance. Go on, tell us about that. Um I don't have a great deal to say, but there was um 
there were some incendiary comments made about BTS by right. the music producer Mike Dean. Of Kanye West's kind of uh, extended family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I only saw two tweets. One of them was him being extremely rude about BTS and how they don't write their own songs. And the second tweet was basically a, a kind of a, a admitting defeat. He said, I, I back off. I, was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I went a bit too far. Yeah. You know, essentially begging them to stop. To stop, yeah. Um, which su- suggests their, their onslaught on him was extremely successful. Yeah, and the, the, the other example of this essentially kind of mass online action is the alt-right that was very successful, very effective at producing kind of whole spaces online that people found appalling to be in, separating out kind of big chunks of the internet, making them essentially kind of no-go areas for, for liberal discourse by mm-hmm. through things like uh, you know abuse and trolling and so on. Um, it's interesting that like most public most action online takes the form of preventing people from saying things. Kind of, it's an yeah. inhibitory uh, system. So negative energy more powerful than positive energy. No, but it's not just that it's about stimulating negative energy. It's about making people not say something. Yeah, making in- people inhibitive. Inhibitive. Yeah. 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 There's Where, no no yes and. Yes, there's no yes and on the internet. Um, sure, that's a good good phrasing it. And the thing about this kind of public space, mm-hmm. the, these kind of open public spaces like mm-hmm. the the R place thing we've just been talking about, is that they are productive in this uh, in this sense that there is um, there are struggles over what is what is on the space or is on the place. There are struggles over what is uh, drawn, what is written, and so on. Mm-hmm. But they all refer back to a um, a kind of a will to say something else and that and the necessity of saying something else with a whole group of other people right there's no there's it no really reminds me of being in a karaoke bar or being at a house party when i was 16 and uh like changing the song or, or someone unplugging my ipod back back in the time before spotify when your personal device with its yep. files had had a bearing on what would be played in the space yeah um a kind of fight over what what we're listening to what we're all sharing in who decides what we're all sharing in um and um and that feeling that you have when when someone imposes their their taste and their crowd and they prove it I yes mean, I, I've, I've, I've yeah I, I experienced that in a, in a karaoke bar where i was um i think i ch- i think i changed someone else's song and everyone when someone was like oh i i, I played diamonds by rihanna and uh, my friend was like oh no, i don't like that song and then I played it, and everyone really danced to it and loved it. And it was like sort of like my square, that square on the on the flag had been changed. Um, but yeah, that's a really good analogy. Yeah, that's that's that, that's very exact. It was about this kind of distinction between like Web two as a kind of mediatic layer, mm. and Web three as a level of of, of property. Mm. What do you mean by property in in terms of Bitcoin and, and in terms of owning things? In terms of blockchains, yeah. yeah so yeah. not just not just Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a, is actually mm. quite a bad example, but. Um, things like Ethereum and the, the expanded okay. ecosystem around that um, means that people will increasingly have verifiable public property ownership mm-hmm. um, that is you know, verified through the blockchain. And this will mean, I think, that, uh, that there is a kind of a, uh, a tension between, on the one hand, a, a, pub, a, a mediatic layer, Web2, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, and so on, where everything can be suddenly taken away mm-hmm. And on the, uh, where essentially social capital becomes extraordinarily um, risky to hold, mm-hmm. and real property becomes extremely safe to hold. 
yeah. basically. So your social capital could always be taken away from you if you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the your, your social and your, but your physical property uh, is like completely immutably yours. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, so I, we're talking about pylons here, like. Go on. What's like, p- oh, pi- oh, not, not, like not pylons, like electricity like pylons, but the pylon with a hyphen. Yes. Uh, being piled onto by a group of people, like the BTS brigade or like a bunch of social justice warriors or whatever. Um, yeah, a kind of a certain kind of mob rule, which is always what people, boomers, get very um, anxious about with regards to the internet. Is it? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think that you sort of think about in t- this in terms of mob rule. I think that's a, it's a stupid uh, phrase, but um, no, but that's that's a way in which people of a certain generation think un- understand this aspect of the right, internet yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Yes. Um, yeah, that a group of people all reinforce each other and decide a certain thing should yes. be done, and then that thing is done, and and that it might contradict a set of ideas or principles that that that, that certain people hold there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That have been kind of agreed on beforehand. Yes, for sure. Um, and that maybe the internet is more conducive to that that slipping and sliding than other public spaces like. Trafalgar Square. Yeah, I think the internet is more conducive to that because, because um, it's immaterial. Uh, no, just no. because it's uh, because the modes of collective action that are mm. possible on it, that are incentivized with on it, are much more um, aggressive and mm. um, uh, much more concerned with zero sum games than mm. is Trafalgar Square. You can uh, be a kind of a charismatic preacher preaching in Trafalgar Square and also a busker can be next to you and like you don't interfere with each other right yeah yeah it's kind of there is some game tolerance is reduced to the to to the the action of changing the color of a pixel which is astonishing right because uh, twitter is of course in principle infinitely big yeah yeah nevertheless the the forms of social capital to which it relates are increasing and the forms of attention which it is personalizing mm. are increasingly restrictive this is a really um a point that's often often kind of raised in terms of like um yeah when when people criticize other things that people have done on the internet often the argument is uh, well you know live and let live like you know people can do that they have their audience you know and yet um the nature of popularity is that not everyone can be popular and that um certain things rise above other things um and so yeah i feel like the internet does have a sort of um, yeah, perhaps it ties into Lito production in terms of like not uh, in terms of yeah certain pix- there being a limited amount of pixels. Yeah, uh, even though conventionally in principle, like they can just add more pixels. Yeah, um, but there are only a, ma- an, a certain amount of ears and eyes and time that people have, and people in general prefer to engage. People in general prefer to be interested in a thing that there is a community, an existing community, interested in. People don't want to feel lonely. People don't want to listen to a podcast that absolutely no one else listens to. An experience familiar. (laughs) 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 You loser. Um, So that was rather an abrupt ending to the episode, owing to the fact that Richard lost his train of thought and (laughs) suddenly wondered why the hell we were talking about this uh, online Reddit thing. Um, uh, after a very, very thorough and rigorous analysis of the ideas of public and private space and online. But Richard's found his train of thought, and it's very important we 
<laughs> go back, yes. We must go back. Um, go back and, and, and that is a, it's a point about incentives, the incentive structure of the online space. An idea we return to many times. Richard, please take us there. Okay, so it seems to me that the most interesting thing about DAOs, mm-hmm. decentralized autonomous organizations, yeah. is that they rearrange incentives in public space. Okay. So Can you give an example? Yeah, so um, I'll give an example, which is ClimateDAO. ClimateDAO is um, obviously known after the German word for climate, climate. Um, and what it's supposed to be doing is quite kind of unproblematically good, I would say. But namely, it's supposed to be sequestering form. Um, the, the, the ultimate aim is to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Yes, that would be good. And the way it does this is by incentivizing people to collect and lock up in its vault mm-hmm. carbon credits. Okay. Um, now, there are lots of kind of problems with this because the chain between carbon dioxide actually in the atmosphere and the financialization of um, carbon credits. It's quite a rickety chain. And carbon the- credits are part of these things where you, when someone offsets their flight, is it to do with that? There, yeah, it's kind of like that. There are two different kinds. Mm-hmm. There's kind of preemptive ones and there's like reactive ones. Mm-hmm. So the reactive ones are when you've, you've put some sort of thing into the air and mm-hmm. then you buy something to offset it. So mm-hmm. you, you, know, you plant a tree or something like that. Okay. Um, the preemptive ones are when you are paid essentially not to release the, the gas. Okay. And instead, something else happens, right? So instead, okay. you just get... You, so it, there, there's Who a pays you to not release the gas? Lots of different people might pay you, right? So mm-hmm. there's people who have incentives to uh, pay people not to carry out certain activities that mm-hmm. release um, yeah, carbon dioxide. It's not... It doesn't particularly matter for the question of how mm-hmm. incentive structures are arranged, why exactly people would mm-hmm. agree to do this, excepting that the idea is that Carbon credits are expensive. Mm-hmm. They are mostly traded by people who want to do kind of public good mm-hmm. um, or want to be seen to do public good, right? So okay. they're, they're, both, they're bought by companies like, for example, Facebook, which buys mm-hmm. kind of you know, tens of millions of pounds of these things in order mm-hmm. to um, uh, um, provide sort of um, ESG value for their shareholders. ESG? Environmental and social governance. And if I would, so if I'm flying, say hypothetically next um, to Sicily. next week, I'm flying to Southern Europe <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> on Saturday, um, someone with a carbon credit might yeah. pay me to get the train. Essentially, yeah, something yeah. like something like that, right? So there's a kind of a, there's there's, there's a why way would they do that? Because I work for Facebook. They would pay the page to do that because it would make them look good. Okay. Right. They, these things are publicly available. They're kind okay. of auditable. You can see. Oh yes, um, I feel guilty about using Facebook. I feel guilty about using Amazon. Blah blah. Uh-huh. But it's okay. We're actually doing good for the world. It's in the same way that I paid like, a bunch of people to have a long, sweaty train ride through Europe. Yeah. So it's in the same way that Facebook or Amazon or Twitter or like you know, any big major kind of company mm-hmm. often pays people, often donates to charity mm-hmm. or participates in charity appeals and so on. This is essentially the same kind of thing. Okay. However. Sorry, I took you off. If you could design a set of incentives Mm -hmm. around having someone, having anyone, indeed, Mm -hmm. you, you, me, uh, uh, anyone with a with a bit of kind of capital, um, who could, or a bit, a bit of money rather, if you could incentivize us to, over the long term, buy up carbon credits and therefore increase the value Mm -hmm. of the existing ones, therefore make it more expensive to do these offset projects, and therefore making the overall process of mm. reducing the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere skew less towards carbon credits and more towards direct carbon sequestration or direct carbon reduction mm-hmm. then you would be restructuring the incentive landscape 
right? Right. You'd be making it less likely that people would buy carbon credits and more likely they'd actually reduce the amount useless. of carbon they put in the atmosphere directly. Because mm-hmm. carbon credits are essentially a bit useless. And, yes. And, and they're, they're, they're an excuse to do, to do less. Precisely. And so the question is, can you work out a way of manipulating the market? Or perhaps mm-hmm. that's a bad way of phrasing it because that's obviously illegal. Can you work out a way of, of transforming the market in some way that means that it's profitable for people to buy up and store carbon credits? Mm-hmm. And that's the, so that's the problem that Climate Dow is trying to Therefore operate Therefore making into. carbon credits more expensive. Precisely. So that people who want to do good decide to invest in something more useful. Rather than actually using carbon credits. Exactly mm-hmm. right, yes. So this is the space into which things like DAOs, mm-hmm. which are decentralized autonomous organizations existing mm-hmm. on the blockchain, seem to want to intervene. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't expressly say this. Yeah. There's no, no kind of theory around this as far as I'm aware. But I think it's a very interesting way of thinking about what the internet is capable of affording mm-hmm. in terms of the design of incentive structures. Yeah. And I think one of the kind of, the kind of things that will probably have to be suspended here is the broad anti-capitalist leftist notion that it is a problem when incent- financial incentives align with political incentives, mm-hmm. right? People should want, there seems to be a kind of common sense knowledge, people should want to do morally good actions because mm-hmm. they are morally good yeah. and not because they are actually beneficial for them in some sort of direct so capitalist or financial way. The leftist theory of capitalism is that it's people doing the right thing for the wrong reasons and sometimes just the wrong things. For the wrong things for personally, individually good reasons. Mm-hmm. And the opposite of this is the right thing for a personally disadvantageous reason, right? You should suffer for your anti-capitalism. <laughs> but then, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying this, everyone agrees with this. No, Obviously, no. lots of people don't agree with this. Lots of people have much more nuanced takes on it. But nevertheless, I think that is a presiding understanding. So it's almost as if financialization or processes of direct incentivization of mm-hmm. people to do certain kinds of political action for morally good reasons yeah. infect or undermine the moral cause that they are actually supporting objectively. But the profit motive, I mean, this is a very interesting thing in terms of, you know, a lot of the oil, the oil fields that are being, um, I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't want to go deep into sort of, uh, industrial strategy but a lot of the oil fields and, and drilling projects and stuff that are being um, given the go-ahead now uh, obviously won't actually start for 20 years or so and um, and th- and therefore they mainly exist right now as uh, as part of a you know for investors for because, yeah they're, because, they're financial because, aspects. because because investing in carbon is still profitable yes and a big challenge for many people in the ecological movement is trying to find a way to make carbon less profitable precisely or to make the opposite more profitable yeah right to make things like you Wind, know you solar precisely and so this is what climate dow is trying to do climate yeah. dow is by allying or, or, or by saying okay if you lock up your carbon credits we will give you a thing called the climate token yeah. and the climate token is based on a, a kind of an issuance scheme that is derived from a fork of a thing called olympus dow mm-hmm. which is supposed to have an, an issuance scheme that is it gives tokens to people in such a way as the value of the token always increases. Mm. But how do they have any leverage to do this? Where does their value come from, the DAO? Well, so the, they're not from so from the capacity to issue a currency that is exchangeable with something else. Mm-hmm. right? They're able to issue a currency that is permanently exchangeable for the dollar. A fungible token? A non, well, yeah, a non-fungible in some particular way. But, like, yeah, f- um, but not an NFT? No, not an NFT, but nevertheless a fungible token. Okay. Non-fungible token, yeah. <laughs> not um, an NFT, but also not a fungible token. Sometimes... Yes, yeah, so, so, so NFT just refers like in the common parlance to, you know, a certain kind of right. So there, there are images like that, are, that are that yeah. are that are gifts, right? But you wouldn't call them a gif. 
Yeah, because they don't move. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah. So it's not an NFT in the sense that people are used to thinking about them. In fact, it has nothing to do with the art market. Yeah. Nothing at all to do with the art market. Excepting that it's a uh, speculative financial investment. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's like stocks and shares, but in the, in the digital. Yes, but realm. so the, the question I think of people should be thinking about Web3 not as in the way they, they currently are, but which is mostly very crass takes, mostly very kind of shallow takes that don't have a particularly impressive grasp of technology. Um, this goes for both people who are massively in favor of it and people who are massively against it. Mm-hmm. But as a way of thinking about the design of incentives in public space or in, in, in financial markets. Because capitalism is incentives. Uh, it, it's one particular way of designing incentive structures, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that's the totality of capital, but it's definitely a, a major aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So the way the the kind of the, the the engagement with this I would advocate for, and I think this is more kind of touching on the kind of the pop aspect of it, this of this uh, kind of podcast, is that I think it's going to be a lot of like pop artworks over the next few years are going to be essentially financial instruments mm-hmm. on the blockchains mm-hmm. that are able to incentivize certain kinds of action in the mm-hmm. same way as relational aesthetics in the 1990s was supposed to incentivize certain kinds of intimacy and immediacy within the gallery space. Mm-hmm. These will try to incentivize certain kinds of actions in the real world by locking up value, by using value in certain kind of ways. And that that will be a major aspect of contemporary art for, for a, a few years. That's my prediction. By Popcoin. Popcoin, yes. <laughs> well, and, coin. and of course... Um, the um, yeah, it is. It is. It is by definition pop. Yes. Um, how uh, large masses of people um, choose to invest their time, attention, money. Yes. Yeah, so the, the, the the example of this is perhaps um, most kind of interesting uh, in the in the last few years was the the thing that was came up on the um, that the R place thing that we just watched mm, yeah. all the way through, which is GameStop, the yes, um, the, the w- Wall Street bets yeah, essentially. Yeah. Wall Street bets is a, is a is a is a method of market manipulation, which has mm. a very simple mechanism, which is that we if we all buy the stock at the same time, yeah, then we can transfer wealth between people who were first to buy the stock and people who are li- later to buy the stock. Yeah, and this means, at least sometimes, that you essentially drain a little bit of money, not a lot, a little bit of money out of hedge funds. Yes. Um, I think that's that's okay. And this was this was um, well, it's more than okay. I mean, it's well, it's been some people se- celebrate it as as I guess one of the, in my view, quite rare examples of um, free market, uh, the free market allowing for some kind of uh, unusual redistribution. Yeah, and then of course it turned out that that didn't happen at all because Robinhood, which is the is the app that everyone's like, using, adi- like workaholic um, uh, hedge fund managers who go home and speculate more. No, not that, but that Robinhood actually decided to suspend trading on some of the stocks because it was uh, because it was destroying the uh, the short position of a particular hedge fund, which basically taken an enormous short position against GameStop, um, and <laughs> were losing billions and billions and, billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, because people were pumping the stock. Wow! And so, Robin, they were t- so Robinhood, like they these people got in they contact with them, in. they stepped in, and they were like, "You can't destroy this hedge no. fund." That's evil. It is, yeah. It's 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 unbelievably uh, dishonest. Yeah, that's how the system works. Sorry, that's a very banal note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks. That's that's very good. Very good explanation. Cool.